This message was recorded at Vision Baptist Church in Alfred, Georgia. It is our prayer that you will be blessed by the preaching of God's Word. All right, take your Bible if you would and open it to Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5. And we're going to talk tonight about the work of God in, in the life of, Mo, of Noah. Noah is a, God, a man of God in a very wicked, wicked time in history. And we're going to talk about how God used and worked in his life. And I hope it's something that you'll see that God can use and work in your life. Sometimes it might be easy for you to think, boy, it's hard to live for Jesus today. All the things that go on and all the pull of money and all the pull of all the other attractions. And it's hard to live for the Lord today. And so if you study the life of Noah, you'll find out that God can give a man grace in the most horrific days uh, that you can possibly imagine. Now we're going to skim through chapter 5 all the way to chapter 7. So I hope you'll open your Bible to Genesis chapter 5 and, you, and, and just keep up with me as we go through there. And then I'll show you four things about Noah and how God worked in his life and how he is a, uh, is a man of God. The Bible says in Genesis 5, 28, And Lamech lived 180 and two years, and he begat a son. And he called his name Noah, saying, This same shall comfort us concerning the work, our work and toil of our hands, because of the ground which the Lord hath cursed. Now, just to underline this, Noah was going to bring comfort. That was his hope, that the, uh, Noah would bring comfort. Skip down, if you would, to Genesis chapter 6 and verse 1. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and uh, daughters were born to them that the sons of God saw the son of the daughters of men and they were fair and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days and also after that when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men and they bare children to them. The same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great upon the earth, in the earth and that every imagination of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. If you have your Bible open there, which I hope that you do. I would like you just to go back to verse 3, and I want you to realize that God said, there's a limit to my patience. There's a limit to the amount of time that I will continue to work with man. And he gave them 120 years. Noah will be a preacher of righteousness, preach 120 years, and then God will bring judgment on the earth. And everybody has to know that God will not put up with sin forever, and God will not, none of us can get away with it. No human can get away with it forever. Look in verse 5, if you would. And God saw the wickedness of man, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was evil continually. Man always thought wrong thoughts. Man sought to do what he wanted to do. Now, by the way, he's not some barbaric guy. This is not somebody living in caves and going around raping and pillaging women. It looked a lot like Alpharetta. It was people... Very advanced, very sophisticated for their day and time. They already know how to work with musical instruments. They already know how to work with iron and brass. They are an advanced society, but their heart is not for God. Their heart is for man. They have made man their own uh, God. They made themselves their own God. In verse 6, it grieved him at his heart. 
Would you look at verse 6? God was sad. God was grieved. God was hurt, the Bible says. In verse 7, the last part of the verse, it says, And it repenteth me. In other words, I am sorry I have made them. He said, I, it grieves me that I made these wicked men, and I am sorry I have made them. But verse 8 is the verse that jumps off the page, and it says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You should underline that. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And then it tells us some characteristics of Noah. In verse 9, Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. That's really where a lot of what we're going to say comes from. Verse 9, Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah, or in his day and time, he was blameless. He lived the right life and he walked with God. And he had three sons, uh, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Verse 11, the earth was corrupt. The earth was corrupt before God. The earth was filled with violence. And I could stop right there and just say, you live in a world that is extremely filled with violence. It is nothing for us to turn on the news and hear about somebody killing a kid or killing a bus driver, taking a kid, shooting four people, being a policeman. It is nothing for us to hear about violence. It's nothing to hear about people killing each other or whatever. The world was filled with violence. Verse 12, and God looked on upon the earth and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way. Everybody had gone their own way. Everybody was doing their own thing. And so God said to Noah, that's it. The end of all flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. I've had it. That's it. The earth is full. I'm fed up. It's over. I'm about to judge them. In verse 14, he told Noah to make an ark of gopher wood. Verse 15, he said, this is the fashion. I'm going to tell you how I want the ark to look. I'm going to tell you how to build it. In verse 17, he said, and behold, I, even I do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life from under the heaven and everything that's in the earth shall die. God is angry with sin. And sin is never a good thing. And I'd just like to say, because I'm afraid sometimes you hear so much about God's goodness and his grace that you think it's okay to sin. And you think sin ought to be taken lightly. You're in a chapter where God is grieved. God is sorry he made man. And God is angry and every man and woman and boy and girl and baby in arms will soon be dead. Sin is no light matter. Nobody who loves Jesus would ever take sin as a light and flippant thing. It would shock us and hurt us to think about that. Verse 18, another service. Maybe next Sunday night, I will establish my covenant. We're going to talk about some covenants. God made some covenants, some everlasting covenants. And then in verse 19, he tells them to take male and female into the ark. He's going to, verse 20, he's going to keep the species alive. Verse 22, and that's what Noah did. Verse 22, thus did Noah 
according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Noah was obedient down to the letter. Noah was obeying God. Chapter 7, verse 1. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark. Now watch this. For thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Now this is going to be wild, but that dovetails extremely well with what you heard this morning. He saw him righteous since he saw him righteous. It was the work of God. It was Noah's trusting God. It wasn't that Noah was a good man. And we'll get that very clearly tonight. Nobody ever was good enough. And everything you see about Noah, Noah being perfect and Noah finding grace is all God's work in his life and him living out what God had done in his life. And him living it out. God said, I see you righteous. By the way, he looks at you tonight. And if you're a born again Christian. And he says, and I see you righteous too. Not because of you. But because of what Jesus did. In Genesis chapter 7 and verse 2. Of every clean beast, take them in by sevens. Uh, in verse 8, they're going to take the fowls of the air by sevens. And male and female. And skip down to chapter 7 and verse 5. Before we start going through the life of Noah just a little bit. It says, and Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him father i pray that you would help us to live out our faith i pray that you would help noah uh, and how you worked in his life and how you used him in the same way you're working in our lives maybe even in a greater way you work in our lives i pray you'd help us to be men of god and women of god in a godless generation and a godless society in a violent society in a corrupt society i pray you'd help us to shine like lights and be the salt of the world i pray that your name would be glorified in our life like it was in the life of noah i know god that uh, you are the one who does the work but i know god you want to magnify yourself in us and i pray that you will and i'll give you praise for it all in jesus name Amen. First thing, just to remind you, before we get started, in the day of Noah, everybody was living like there was no tomorrow. Kind of like they live in Alpharetta. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 38, Jesus is talking, he's talking about his coming actually, and he says this, as it was, as, as in, for as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And they knew not until the flood came and took them away. So also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. And so the picture of Noah is a picture of the coming of Jesus Christ. By the way, our society looks a whole lot like the society that was in existence at that day and time. Men and women live and eat and drink and party. And, and if you go to a restaurant, if you go to a restaurant, you will wait in line. And we got toys. We got everything we want. We are enjoying life. Life is good for us in this society here in America. You may say, well, I'm having a tough time. Really, we're not really having that very that much of a tough time compared to most in the world. Eating and drinking, giving in marriage, uh, having babies, doing everything and ignoring what God was doing. By the way, there was at least one preacher in that day and time and his name was Noah and he was building a big boat and he was preaching a message and they still didn't know and they still didn't pay attention and they still weren't ready. Can you imagine living when Noah was alive. They were laughing at Noah. Here he is building a big boat on dry land. What a fool. Here he is saying there's a flood coming. It's going to rain. And this big boat's going to float away. And they would have been making fun of him. Can you imagine how they might have talked about Noah, uh, Enoch? 
A man who walked with God and disappeared. They might have been making fun of everybody in Noah's family, just having a blast with it. Noah was a preacher of righteousness, and he was warning them of coming judgment, but none would believe except his own family. In 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, the Bible said, And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness. If you say, how do you know he's a preacher of righteousness? 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 5 says, A preacher of righteousness. He preached, he warned, he was a preacher of righteousness. By the way, this story of Noah is it part of the Bible that most of our modern Christian scholars doubt. They have real problems with Genesis 1 through 11. They look at every way they can to do away with the creation. Even big mega church pastors really doubt that the world is only a few thousand years old and that God really created it and it was done day one, day two, day They don't believe that. They don't accept that. But you know that Noah is no minor character. He's mentioned at least 50 times in nine different books of the Bible. God must have believed there was a Noah. God must have believed what he did was real. Fifty times the guy's name gets mentioned in the Bible. The guy they say didn't exist. Jesus mentions his name. Jesus must have thought he existed. I think he must have existed. Say amen right there. Now let me give you a few things. Number one. Four things maybe you'll write down in the margin of your Bible. We'll be in Genesis 6 and 7 uh, and 8 for several services. But if you would, uh, just write down at the first part maybe of Genesis chapter 6, or close to the key verse I showed you. The first thing is in Genesis 5, 28, they are hoping Noah can bring rest and comfort from God. Man, the world's in trouble. The, the family of Seth and the family of all the kids and Enoch and Methuselah and other people that seemed to have been men of God living in a perverse generation, they wanted some relief. When will somebody come that will take a stand? When will somebody come that will bring rest and somebody come that will bring comfort? The earth is cursed. The people are perverted. Everything's going on. Genesis 5, 29, he said, and he called his name Noah. This same shall comfort us concerning our work. By the way, there are two Lamechs mentioned in Genesis. One is the son of Cain and the other, uh, 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 one is the father of Cain and the other is of Noah. Lamech born to Seth fathers Noah. Cain's Lamech murders a young man and brags about it. Two families, talk about that before, two families, two directions, two lifestyles, very different. You shouldn't find it strange that you're not like your neighbor's. You shouldn't find it strange that you're not like other people. You should realize that all the way back from Genesis, uh, there was a difference between God's people and others. Lamech's praying that God will use his son to bring hope and comfort. There's only one way to truly find comfort, and that's in the person of Jesus. I'll read you a verse about that comfort in just a second, but can I just say this? Man, they lived, if you haven't caught on to something, every time a baby's born, they're thinking, maybe this is the baby. Maybe this is the way God's going to bring comfort. Maybe this is what God's going to do. I believe Mary was thinking that. I believe Joseph even understood that. And that's when when when, uh, when Jesus came to the earth. And as God allows you to be a parent, you ought to realize, hey, that your kids here much more than to get a good job, to make good money. God may want to use your child to make a great difference around the world. Every Every parent, and can I just say this, it, it really breaks me, hurts me, grieves my heart that you would, you almost want to keep your children for yourself. That's, that's thinking evil. That's like, I want for me, I don't want for God. Lamech says, man, I hope my son can bring comfort. 
Only real comfort is found in Jesus. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. He said, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Lamech must have had a heart for God and a desire for some relief in a, in a wicked world. I would just like to remind you that Noah is a guy who's, uh, they pray will bring comfort. And can I remind you, it had to be a very difficult to live a godly life in a world where every imagination and every thought of man was evil continually. I just heard on the way to church this morning, I can't even remember which country it is, that they're thinking of banning porn in the whole country. They're going to fix it where the internet doesn't bring porn in. That'd be a bad idea. Amen. But see, every thought... TV program, everything. Chapter 6, verse 5. And God saw the wickedness of man, and it was great in the earth, and every imagination of the heart was only evil continually. Verse 11. The earth also was corrupt. The earth was filled with violence. Verse 12. It was corrupt, and all, all flesh was corrupt. Verse 13. He said, the end of flesh is come. It's over. There should be in us a heart to raise children that could bring hope and comfort to a world steeped in darkness. We should instill in our children a desire to serve God as best we can. We should be praying, teaching, and giving an example, even if no one else is doing so. I love this Lamech guy. I love it. It's like, man, I hope my kid can bring some comfort in this sin-cursed world. I hope my children can be used of God to make a difference It's amazing he didn't say, I hope they can be a great worker in iron and brass. I hope that they can have a big house and enjoy great living. He said, I'm hoping my kid can bring comfort. Number two, Noah was a man of faith. He believed God. Noah was a man of faith. He believed God. Look, if you would, in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, that's favor. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, uh, That means God looked at him and had favor on him. And by the way, that's exactly what happened the day he saved me. He looked at me and he had favor on me and he looked at you and he had favor on you. And he saved us when we didn't deserve to be saved. This Noah, Genesis chapter 6 and verse 9, is a just man. Noah was a just man and he was perfect and he walked with God. He's mentioned in the Bible as one of those most righteous men in the Old Testament. When God was angry with a society, in the book of Ezekiel chapter 14, and God was angry, and he's about ready to do some more destroying, this is what he said. Though, though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, they should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord. God said, I'm so mad. That if a town had Noah and Daniel and Job in it, I'd still kill them all. And they'd only get saved those three. But when he wanted to mention a hero, he said, Noah's one of my guys. In Ezekiel chapter 14 and verse 20, same thing. Noah, Daniel, and Job, only by their own righteousness. I know that Noah was a man of faith. Because in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7, he gets mentioned in the book of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7. And it says that Noah, by faith, Noah being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. Noah believed God. 
So when you read the Old Testament story, you say, well, it looks to me like Noah was a really good guy, and that's how God liked him. God looked at the whole world, and he only found eight guys that were good, and that's how he was, that's how he got saved, because he was such a good guy. No, the reason Noah was such a good guy is Noah believed God. The reason Noah was such a good guy was Noah believed God. Look at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7. You need to write that in the margin of your Bible. It says, by faith, Noah, being warned of God. Noah listened when God spoke. By faith, Noah was fearful, respectful, reverential. He said, man, I really do believe you, God, and I will do what you say. And he went to prepare an ark. And that by doing that, he condemned the world because he said, I believe God, though no one else does. And everybody else in the world, God would say, look, Noah believes me. You might not, but Noah does. Hey, you don't believe, but Noah does. You're condemned because Noah's saved. Noah is the proof you could have believed, believe. And they didn't believe. Righteousness always comes by believing God, not by what you do. I hope you got that. Righteousness always comes by believing God, not by what you do. The only acceptable righteousness in the presence of God is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21, a verse that you need to memorize. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it comes up in my preaching all the time. This is like a key verse, 2 Corinthians 5.21. Write it down, read it with me, learn this verse. 2 Corinthians 5.21, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Would you read that out loud with me? Follow along and read that with me. Let's read that together. Read what it says. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now let's go through the verse. I really wish you'd memorize that verse. That's like key. Clave. That almost came out of my mouth. That's Spanish for key. That's key. That's the key word for how we got saved. Look what it says. For God, he, God, hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us. And Jesus knew no sin that we sinners might be made the righteousness of God in Jesus. If you know anything about grammar, you know about pronouns, you replace a pronoun with the antecedent. You replace a pronoun with the word that goes there. For God has made Jesus to be sin for me. Jesus knew no sin that I might be made the righteousness of God in Jesus. That's what happened. Noah, how'd you get saved? Well, I built an ark. You really believe after you studied the book of Romans that Noah run around heaven said, and everybody said, how'd you get here? I was just a sinner. Paul said, I was just, I was a chief of sinners and Jesus saved me. Noah said, I built an ark. That's not what's going to happen. Noah's going to come walking up. He's going to say, hey, Paul, I got to hear the same way you did. Hey, your name might've been mentioned 50 times in the Bible in nine different books. No, but how'd you get here? Noah say, whoo, by the grace of God, God had grace on me and mercy. The only way you get righteousness is through faith. Here comes some repeat. But you need it. We need it. We all need to remember it. How do you get righteousness? Well, you're in the book of Romans. How do you get righteousness? Here's the book of Galatians from this very morning. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. Now, let me stop. Uh, I want you to understand something. When you read the Old Testament, it doesn't tell you a lot of stuff. 
A lot of stuff's not understandable in the Old Testament. As you read it, you get a glimpse, but you don't understand it because you need to read the whole book. See, as you get further in, he says, and then you'll go, oh, now I get it. When you read Genesis 3.15 and you find out that uh, that there was a curse, there was enmity between the, the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent, you might be like, I don't know if I get that. You might not get it till you read the whole Bible. But this is all one book. It might have 66 different books in the book. And it might have been written by 40 different authors over 1,500 years. But it only has really one author. And everybody else was a writer and it was the Holy Spirit of God. And he's telling a story. And if you'd like to know what the story is, the whole story is, let me reveal Jesus to you. And the, every good book climaxes at the height of the story. Every good book reaches a climax. You, if you ever took a literature class and this book climaxes in this, the revelation of Jesus Christ. You heard a little bit about him in Genesis. You got a little more about him in Exodus. You find out more about him in Leviticus. But by the book of Revelation, uh, John says, I got a book. And guess what? He wants me to call it Revealing Jesus. That's what we're going to call it. I got the full picture now. Got the whole thing. Look at chapter Genesis 2, 16. Knowing that a man is justified, not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even as we believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by faith. By faith, Noah built an ark, justified by faith, not of the works of the, of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Romans chapter 3, verse 19, and I won't read it all. We've been over it here lately, but it says, every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. It wasn't just everybody else who was wicked. Noah was wicked too until Jesus saved him. And tonight, you're a saint But you need never forget you were a sinner. And he saved you and made you a saint. In verse 20, by the deeds of the law, Romans 3.20, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 22, the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ upon all. Romans chapter 3 verse 24, justified freely by his grace through the, the redemption that is in Jesus Romans chapter 3 verse 27. Where is the bragging? Where is the boasting? It's excluded. No bragging. Nobody's going to get to brag. And by how did he get excluded? By the law of faith. Therefore Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Do you suppose that Noah learned this from his dad? You know, I really think it might have got, I might think old Lamech said, man, I was looking for comfort. And I understand something about that. And old Lamech might have learned that from his daddy, and they might have learned it all the way back from Adam. You see, the story is being told, and I can just imagine as Adam tells his son, Seth, he says, Seth, you're not going to believe this. We sinned against the holy God, and there was a death sentence on us. And we should have died that day, and it should have all been over, and we did die in the sense that we were separated from God. But God in his great mercy, because Seth, he's a great God, and he's a good God, and he's a merciful God. And Seth, guess what he did? When we sinned against the holy God, when we sinned against the holy God, guess what he did? He killed a lamb, and he covered our sin, and that's how we got saved. By the way, you know why your brother killed your brother, don't you? He killed your brother because Abel understood something. It was the blood of a lamb. Son, remember this. It's all through Jesus. He doesn't even know it's going to be, he's going to be named Jesus yet, but it's through the lamb. It's through the shed blood. 
What are you teaching your children? What are you teaching your children? I'll say this to the men real quickly. If I were in Peru where I was much bolder than I am here, I would tell you, you are the pastor of your home. And you ought to be leading your home as much as I ought to be leading you. And as much as you think I ought to be the spiritual leader who walks with God. And and y'all want perfection out of me. Well, just remember this, buddy. I'm just a pastor of you pastors. That's why women were to ask their husbands at home because you were a man of God yourself. Don't say amen there. It would condemn you right off the bat, wouldn't it? What are you teaching your children? How diligent are you to be sure that they learn? And I've got one more question before I move on from that. Are they learning by example or only by exhortation? I think that in a great extent of our lives, we all tell our kids they ought to love Jesus. But your kid won't do what you say do. Your kid will do what you do. So make sure your exhortation is matched by your example. Make sure that when you say love Jesus, they say, I will, Daddy. I see how you do it. It's important. Noah lived out his faith. Noah lived out his faith and what God had done to him internally. That's why you see him in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 9. Look what it says about him. These are the generations of Noah. This is the family of Noah. This is how it was in Noah's day. Back in the day of Noah, this is how it was. Noah was a just man and perfect. And Noah walked with God. Noah's perfect, or maybe you might put a circle around the word perfect and write the word blameless. That's what it meant. He was blameless. That doesn't mean he didn't sin. But it does mean he lived a life of integrity, whole and unblemished. Noah's neighbors couldn't find fault with him. True righteousness is not only positional, but practical. True righteousness is not only positional, but it's practical. Now look this way just a second. If you're born again, you are perfect in the eyes of God right now. And if you are born again you are holy you're fully accepted in heaven you are a saint and all these wonderful truths that i constantly teach but when you bring it down to where the rubber meets the road who you are ought to be lived out in your practice live who you are you are positionally perfect in christ you are positionally blameless in christ you are positionally a new creature but live it out in your practice that's what happened with noah He just lived out who he was. You see, if you have real faith, it's reflected in the way you live. If you have real faith, it's reflected in the way you live. Fact is, we could get your calendar and find out if you have real faith. It would show. Your faith shows. We could get your checkbook and find out. We could get all any area of your life we could. In James uh, James 2.14, the Bible says... What's it profit, my brothers, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? There's no argument. James isn't arguing. James isn't a guy that thinks you get saved by works. James is saying, I hear a whole lot of y'all talking about faith, but you don't seem to be living it. So that ain't real faith. No telling how many times I've seen men say they love their wife, but everything screams that they don't. 
No matter how many times, no telling how many times a young girl got pregnant out of wedlock and she said, he said he loved me. And I said, just because he said it don't mean anything. If he'd have loved you, he'd have respected you. Titus 1.10 says, there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision. Verse 16 continues to talk about him. It says, they profess that they know God. They say they know God, but their works, in their works, they deny him, being abominable and disobedient unto every good work. They go around saying, I know God. I know God. But everything in their life screams, no, you don't. Noah walked with God just like his grandfather Enoch. I don't know if you caught that, and I'm not preaching a whole message on Enoch. I'd like to, but we'd never get through the book of Genesis. Preach about everything I want to preach about. We'll be here forever. But look what it says in chapter 6 and verse 9. You remember Enoch walked with God and was not? Now, what a famous, fantastic thing to be said about you. He walked with God. And then I get down to Genesis chapter 6 and verse 9, and the Holy Spirit of God says, Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. I think maybe Noah lived the life he'd seen modeled for him. I think maybe Noah lived the life he'd seen modeled. He walked believing and trusting God. He'd seen that same faith lived out in his family. He just did what he'd seen his daddy do, his granddaddy do. In the Bible, when you talk about living by faith, it often refers to walking with God. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2, we're to walk in love as Christ also loved us. In Ephesians 5 to 8, we're to walk as children of the light. In Galatians chapter 5, or Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15, we're to walk with circumspectly or with wisdom. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16, we're to walk in the spirit. Noah walked with God. We walk with God. You, you, you walk with God. Some of you, some of us walk with God. Probably most of us walk with God. You know, you're walking in the spirit. You're walking in wisdom. Uh, you are, you're walking as a child of the, of light. You, you love the Bible. You talk about Jesus. You get up in the morning and Jesus is on your lips and he's in your heart. And while you're at work and other things, you even think about how good your God is. And maybe you have a foundations meeting with somebody and, and you just walk in the room and, and you, you don't even realize it. Man, you just, you're walking around. Everybody knows there, there comes a guy that's going to tell me about Jesus. There comes a guy that loves God going to bring a Bible in here with me. Some of you taught a Sunday school class this morning and maybe you see me as somebody like the pastor. He's on some kind of platform. Uh, but let's, let me give you a hint. You're walking with God too. This walking with God stuff ain't for Noah and for great men of God. We all walk with him as we walk in the spirit. Noah was obedient. Chapter 6 and verse 22. Noah did according to all that God commanded him. So did he. Chapter 7 and verse 5. Noah did according to all the Lord commanded him. Chapter 7 and verse 16. As God had commanded him. As God had commanded him. <clears throat> we are to be doers of the word and not hearers only. And uh, I know I probably stress out way too much about every service. And I think every service is so much more important than you probably do. I am so concerned that I would try to pre- preach just what the Bible says and preach what it says and try to be clear with it. But in James 1, 22, I'm going to read to you out of James. It's my, this verse right here is like my favorite discipleship verse. If you're ever helping anybody grow in grace, this is the verse. James 1, 21. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness 
and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Now they're saved. You're already saved. But see, my soul, the way I am, my mind, my will, uh, my emotions, that's my soul. And my soul is often contaminated by the world. And though I'm a born-again Christian, I still live around so much filth and around so much of the corrupt world that I'm just like them. But I so much want to live like Jesus wants me to. And here's what James said. Well, then lay aside all the filthy junk and stick this book in your heart. Stick this book in your heart. Memorize it. Graft it in. Let it become a part of you. Uh, We probably don't believe in Bible memorization anymore. We don't believe in reading the Bible anymore, but we ought to. Man, you, it ought to be where you get the book in your heart. It ought to be where you fill your mind up. Every children's ministry in our church ought to have children memorizing the Bible and understanding what it means. Every Sunday school class, we ought to keep people in the Bible. Foundations about getting in the Bible. Receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul. James 1.22, be doers of the word, not hearers only. Man came this morning who's visited a couple other times and he said, boy, I just like the way you teach. I'm not a preacher. I'm just a teacher. Been knowing that all my life. Sometimes I wish I was a real preacher, could snort a little louder and kick a little harder. But he said, man, it's just a whole lot of Bible here. And I, I take that as a compliment, but let me just say this. I hope we don't become Bible hearers. We're to be Bible doers. And if you don't, you're like the guy who looks in the mirror and doesn't see what's wrong with him and goes off and does what he was going to do anyway. That's what it says in James 1.25. It says, it says, but whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, he being not a forgetful here, but a doer of the word, this man shall be blessed. Look in the book and get it in. Noah, Noah didn't have the Bible like you have it. Noah had very scarce words from God. But what he heard, he believed. And what he heard, he acted on. You say, well, he got all those instructions about building the ark. They fill up three chapters. You got 66 books. You got, you got hundreds of chapters. But I'm afraid we don't take time to get into it. There's much more than believing. Real faith gets lived out. Your B level will show in your do and serve level. You're to live out what and who you are. Actually, you are living out who you are. That might be a good test to find out. You know, if you got a tomato plant and lemons are coming out, it probably ain't a tomato plant. Genesis six twenty-two. Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him. So did he. Noah was a faithful man. He was a faithful man serving God. He was faithful in his service. He was given exact instructions. And I'm not going to take time to go into any of that tonight. Joe, he's going to build an ark that's big enough to hold 500 livestock railroad cars. It had enough space for 125,000 animals on that ark. God brought the animals in, but Noah did what he was told to do. He lived out his faith. He practiced what he believed. And he preached it faithfully for 120 years. Has your faith affected the way you live? How faithful is your service to your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Number four, last thing, and I'll quit. 
Noah was a trusting man, waiting on God to do his will. I don't have any idea if you can see the difficulty it must have been to be Noah. How must it be to be the only one of your kind in the whole world? How about when you go get food or when you go to town or when you meet with anybody else and everybody knows you are the weirdest guy on the planet? You're building a boat in the middle of dry land. You got your boys and every day you build a boat. But you see, Noah, he does what he's told and he waits. And he waits. We need to be patiently, we need to patiently learn to trust our father and wait on him. It's interesting. I don't have time to go into what I would. But, uh, you know, Noah gets on that ark and they sit there a week and it doesn't rain. Go read about it. God said, get on the ark. Okay. Flood coming? Yeah. Wait a week and it'll come. He's already been waiting 120 years. You ever wish God had just answered your prayer and get it done? You ever like, God, get with it. I've asked this. Noah said, God, it's been 120 years. Well, y'all relax on the boat a while. It'll rain. Psalm 32, 9 says, be not like the horse or the mule, which has no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with a bit and bridle, lest they come near unto you. He had to wait a week. They sat in that ark waiting a week for the rain. That, that must have taken some faith. By the way, while they're on the right ark, it's going to rain 40 days and 40 nights. I figured it up one time just as a young boy, so I'm sure this math is wrong, and I'm sure that mountain ranges weren't where they are now. But, you know, I figured it out one time that for the, worth, for the earth to get covered in rain, like you said, it had to rain like six, six inches a minute for 40 days and 40 nights to get enough rain on this planet. I mean, you want to talk about a stinking downpour. What would you do if the whole world was going to be destroyed and you and your wife, you and your wife and your six children, your sons and you know wives would ride it out in a boat that was 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, three decks, 45 feet tall. I can only imagine what it must have been to be a Noah and to say, I'll wait on God. I'll do what he says do. I'll take all the abuse. I'll let everybody laugh at me, and I'll just do what he says do. And if he says wait, I'll wait. If he says stay on an ark, I'll stay on an ark. It's going to be 150 days after that. It's going to be almost, I think it's a year and a week. I've got it here in the notes. I don't have in front of me. So it's a year before he gets off that boat. How are you going to face the things going on in your life right now? Honestly, we don't have anything going on like old Noah did. Will you believe God? Will you patiently wait for him to do what's best and right? Or will you act like an angry child wanting your way and wanting your will? Everything that happened in Noah's life was because Noah knew Jesus and he lived out. He knew God. He didn't know Jesus. Jesus hadn't come yet, but he trusted God. He trusted the sacrifice. By the way, when he's building the ark, remember what happens? He has to take extra animals on for the sacrifice. For the sacrifice. What sacrifice? Did he know about a sacrifice? Must have. Got told to take animals for the sacrifice. Must have. Got off the boat and made a sacrifice. How are you handling what's going on in your life? It is the grace of God that's built you and made you and is doing a work in you. Trust 
God, what's going on right now? What are you anxious about? What are you worried about? Trust the God of heaven. Father in heaven, I love you. I thank you for your mighty grace as you worked in Noah's life. I pray, God, tonight you bring your people to be a Bible people. God, help us to memorize your scripture and to get it into our hearts. Help us to be Bible readers. God, help us to be Bible hearers and Bible doers. God, I just pray that you'd help us to trust you and believe in you, and to live out what you're showing us, and I'll give you praise for it all. God, show your power in our lives. God, help us as dads to raise kids that would do right and bring glory to your name. And I will give you great honor for all you do. Please do a work. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I have no idea if the Holy Spirit's dealt with your heart or not. I have no idea if something in this message tonight was for you. Maybe about being a dad. Maybe about being the pastor of your home. Maybe about the amount of time you spend in Bible reading and prayer and Bible memorization and getting the book in you. Maybe about living out doing what you hear. But I do believe God spoke to hearts. And if he did tonight, why don't you respond to him? He spoke to you. You speak back to him and say, God, I will do what you've instructed me with. You can pray in your seat or you can pray at the altar, but let's honor God. Father in heaven, magnify yourself and I give you all praise and all honor and all glory for all you do. You have been listening to Austin Gardner, pastor of Vision Baptist Church. For contact information, location, service times, or more audio and video recordings, log on to www.visionbaptist.com.